Fantastic beasts. We found you. Oh, not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've not what, seen it. Not seen it. <laughs> Although I will, I will have seen it by the time this goes out. So uh, here's my review. It was a film. Uh, Eddie Redmayne played Matt Smith's doctor wonderfully. I, I don't know if I'm going to see it. Really? Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to see it. On principle. Just, I don't I'm, like the way he's treating those hippogriffs. I'm making a stand against this film. <laughs> I don't know what it stands for, but I'm making a stand against it. Boycott Newt's Commander. Boycott him. <laughs> no, I just don't know if I'm going to find the time. Um, I saw Arrival this week, though. Oh, what was that like? That was very, very good. You should see Arrival. Is Amy Adams as insanely, wonderfully magnetic and attractive in this as she is in everything? Yes. It's, is it, well... Is it right to have been crushing on her solid for ten years? Yes. Good, because I now have validation. Thanks Yay! for that. I first saw her in Enchanted. And, and you were. And I was. Well, I wasn't. Hey. I saw that on the morning after a really long overnight cast party, and I fell asleep in the closing act. Oh. Apparently my snores were loud enough to make a woman on the own from concerned. <laughs> so I was choking. <laughs> I... I heard concerning snores coming from the front row, and I didn't know what to do. So I called the security, and then they administered first aid by waking them up with a slap with a wet fish. <laughs> I just—I <laughs> remember just—I remember watching McDreamy suddenly get involved when they were singing in the park, oh, and then I drifted off, and then I woke up to find my girlfriend going, "Get up, get up." <laughs> Get up. Get up. You've Get got, up, you fool. You've got popcorn in your lap. Oh. No, don't worry. He's all right. He was just snoring. <laughs> so what's going on? Um, nice. So, yeah. Oh, uh, no, I like Arrival. I, I'm going to try and put something on the blog about it in the next week. But or I... or if, if you're listening to this, in the last week. Oh, yes, of course. Time travel. Time um, travel. The travel of time. We'll see how that, how that works out because I've got a lot of things to do. Yeah. Well, like we have a lot of things to talk about today by Jingles. We've got yes. a few trailers to catch up on, including Kong! Kong! Skull Island! <laughs> Lemony Snicket's a series of unfortunate events. The full trailer. The sneak peek of the return of Dr. McWhatTheFuck. What a treat it was! Oh, lordy. For the and, eyes and ears. And also your emails later on. Plus this week we're going to be having a go... An email from a lovely chum from a few weeks back. I believe it was uh, Jacob's email. Oh, lovely Jacob. Where he said, what are your top five favourite MCU movies? Well, guess what, gentle listener? You're going to find out. It's a whole damn episode, whole damn topic. You're going to get it in your ears. Right in them. And then you have to get a cotton bud in there to clear it out before it goes crusty. Yeah. That's disgusting. Speaking of crusty. um, Hey! Kong Skull Island uh, is an old concept. Drag through the mud once again. Um, yeah, see, Christy, in a way. Uh, we've seen King Kong a million times, but this time, this time, they ain't doing I've no... Al- I've actually only seen the Peter Jackson one, like, four times, but it feels like I've seen it a million times. <laughs> I think you've just seen it the ones, it just feels like you've seen it a million, because I've... the amount of time you have to invest to watch it. And the worst part is, it's one of those movies that ITV2 has the rights to, yeah, so yeah. they pillage it. Like, they show it on a loop over you, Christmas. You put the DVD on, and then you sit down... And you watch it, and then you emerge, <laughs> a sort of like man. groundhog-like, into the sunlight, 
and you realise, I've been gone for seven years! <laughs> I just had to wake up feeling different revelations. Like, <laughs> what am I doing myself? I really need to make it up with her. Why did it end that way? Why did it end father. that way? We should, we should talk this through. And also, Jack Black was heavily miscast. It just makes you want to call your parents. <laughs> yeah. And say I'm sorry. For Make everything. sure they're still alive. Please don't show me the Hobbit in 60 frames per second. Oh God, no! All is forgiven. Ooh. We love you, Peter Jackson, but slow down. Yeah. No, don't slow down. Speed up. Speed up, please, speed up. for the love of God. But speed not 60 up. 60 frames per second. And don't make any more Middle Earth movies, please. Good Lord, welcome to the Silmarillion Part Six. No, um, no. <laughs> no. Kong Skull Island is ditching the formula of the others. It's not a story of beauty killing the beast and being taken back to New York as the eighth of the world it's the it's story Vietnam of giant monsters i think we've confirmed somewhere this is set in the 70s or 80s like it's not yeah it looks like it's set day. in the 70s there's a lot of vietnam flavor about it like all the military gear looks to be like vietnam era yeah there's sort of that that kind air of air cavalry um, and things like that yeah all the shots of them over the sunshine over the sun oh it's, yeah it's now yeah of. yeah yeah um in fact one shot that almost looks like it's directly referencing that um but yeah you've got a nice mix mixed casper um Oh, God, what's the name? Brie Larson. Brie Larson, that's the one. The woman who would be Captain Marvel. Oh, yeah. Tom Hiddleston. The uh, man who was Loki. And, will, and soon will be again. Yeah. Nick, uh, Nick Fury. Sam Jackson, Nick. a.k.a. Just Nick Fury. <laughs> Nick Fury. And just Nick Fury. John C. Riley, a.k.a. Wreck-It Ralph. And, um, um, oh, yeah, and a Nova Corps. Uh, what's he called? Commander. He's called Nova... Billy Who, hum, Billy Hum, Who, Hey, no, but Billy Hum. Basically, there's a lot of Marvel talent in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a story of a bunch of people going out Roman there Day and John Goodman, who criminally, oh yeah, that's his name, Roman Day, and John Goodman, who criminally hasn't been in a Marvel movie yet. Get him, snap him up, Disney. Everyone's got get him in something. Every every British television actor ends up in Game of Thrones. Every American film actor needs to end up in a Marvel movie. Get him in a Marvel movie. Don't make the mistake Dwayne Johnson did by signing onto a DC one six years prematurely. Yeah. Um. So yes. Exceptional cast, interesting visuals going on here, and it seems to be the story of like this is the first time Skull Island's been occupied, unless they're going to have some kind of throwaway bit where they talk about, oh, yeah, no, this thing was brought back to New York 40, 50 years ago yeah. and, and such. But um, as, 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 a, as a friend of the show, Dan Sherratt, pointed out this morning when we were chatting about this trailer, he said that Kong would need to climb the Empire State, he just sort of lean on it. Yeah, like this Kong is massive. He's enormous because he's not a gorilla. They've not gone for the gorilla thing. They've gone for the original kind of ape, like standing on two legs design from the original movie. Um, so that's pretty sweet. Yes. yes. Uh, it seems that they're exploring the island. John Gumbin knows full well there's bigger fish there to fry than simple sort of routine expedition stuff. Um, there's tribes with some really cool, creepy designs. John C. Riley's a dude who's living with them. Uh, yeah, he feels like the uh, the Dennis Hopper photographer in um, Apocalypse Now. Yes. I mean, oh, that's yeah. a really good comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's obviously going to be the comedic relief as well, I guess. Looks pretty cool. They're not doing what Peter Jackson's one did. They're, they're sort of they're, they've got creatures. But not lost in six days. Well, that too. But also, like they're not doing the creatures in the same way. It doesn't look like um, they, it doesn't look like they're hideous body horror kind of creatures. I don't know. There's some like nasty stuff in there. Yeah. Well, there's a, that bull is terrifying. Like, the big wildebeest oh, kind of yeah, thing looks yeah, scary. Yeah. Uh, there is a very brief shot of what looks like a spider with little claw arms. Yeah. That is tall enough to tower over the trees. Giant stick insect. Perhaps. Oh, shit, yeah! That's what that was. Yeah. Um, but most importantly, there's what... Um, 
<laughs> oh god, what Jossie Ryan the trailer calls school crawlers and then yeah. regrets because he'd not said it out loud and he thinks it sounds stupid. Which look a bit like generic primeval meets Cloverfield beast kind of crocodile grey things. They look a bit like giant necromorphs from Dead Space. Yeah, they sort of look like they've been done. Which is a shame because one thing the Peter Jackson movie did pretty sweet was have those V-Rexes. Yeah. The massive ferocious looking T-Rex sort of creatures. Victor Rex. Victor, hello. Victor and Vincent Rex. Hello, the name's Vincent Rex. Vincent uh, Rex. Rawr. Pleasure to meet you. Let me shake you by the talon. Um, With my tiny arms. Tiny arms and big dreams. I've got tiny arms, but I've got big dreams. Big dreams, my tiny arms. Tiny arms, big heart. Like, oh they look, you know, they were pretty sweet. So it'll be interesting to see if Kong does go toe-to-toe with these things, because they look quite small compared to him, so maybe not. Um, but I like the idea that he's not a malicious creature. Like, no, he's a pretty good king. He takes care of his island. You guys have shown up with big whirling machines of death and bombs and machine guns. And now he's pissed. Yes. Like, that's a nice little change. It doesn't look like they're going to attempt to bring him back anytime soon. No. <laughs> um, so, I'm looking forward to it. What's your thoughts on the fact that all of this is just a very well-constructed, subtle, non-obvious build-up to a crossover movie with two other franchises? Because that's the rumour. This is part. This is part two of a series, or part three of a series, and we just didn't know what's the what's the first two parts. I know Godzilla's one of them. Godzilla's part two. What's part one? Pacific Rim, motherfucker. Oh yes, please. Because that's now Pacific Rim two is shooting. Yeah. John Boyega, whose production company is is the the company that are making it this time with Guillermo del Toro's uh, guidance and approval. Yeah. Because he can't make it this time. He can't direct it. He's got other stuff on his plate. Hopefully. It's never going to get made. Oh, no. Well, he, no, he better make his Haunted Mansion movie. I really want to see that. He's never going to get anything made, Chris. People don't want to make, don't want to let Guillermo del Toro make movies because it would be too good for this world. Crimson Peak 2. Peak oh, Harder. Crimson Peak was so good. It's great, isn't it? It's a beautiful movie. It's weirdly romantic. It's gothic romance. Yeah. It's not even a ghost story. It's a gothic romance. Yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. Um, So well done. Uh, and the actor who plays all the spirits uh, is freaking amazing. Follow him on Instagram. I can't remember his name, but he's amazing. For well, that was more. fucking but, useful, wasn't it? I know. For Halloween ones, he dressed as Finn from Adventure Time and he looks brilliant because obviously he physically, proportionally doesn't suit that character so it looks really cute. Search him out, guys, but Chris can't remember his name <laughs> so you can't. Just look up the actor who plays creatures in Wreck and um, Conjuring 2. He's, he, was, he was he was the, the um, crooked man in, in Conjuring 2. Uh, there you go. That's all you need. Get Wikipedia-ing, my chickadees! In fact, useful as a chocolate fucking teapot. You but Guillermo Dottor can't make Pacific Rim 2, but John Boyega's company are making it. Yes! Early in pre-production, John Boyega posted some fan art, or concept art possibly, of uh, Gypsy Danger fighting Godzilla in the style of the 2014 Godzilla movie. Yes. With the caption, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? Something like that. Dot, dot, dot. And it's like, oh! And the belief is that perhaps all of these films, which are owned by Warner Brothers and Legendary Pictures, may or may not be working towards that. After all, Kong looks pretty kaiju-sized in this movie, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he does look quite big. Yeah, a lot bigger than he's been before. Some would say big enough to fight, I don't know, Godzilla? Godzilla. Or some of them freaking... I'm trying to remember what the robots are called in Pacific Rim. They're called Jaegers. Jaegers, that's And it. they all have fucking awesome names. <laughs> my favourite's still Gypsy Danger. Gypsy Danger is amazing. That's the obvious pick, which is uh, a great name. My favourite is in Russian what Cherno Alpha. <laughs> Oh, it's so metal. Oh, oh that God. movie's so good. It's so good. 
Oh, it's gr- I love Pacific Rim. So fingers it's... crossed that Skull Island's as good as it looks, and fingers crossed that eventually it leads to a not too phoned in, not obvious oh. cash. Because I think if they do a crossover with those three movies, it's obviously a well, we're going to do a shared universe thing. But I'd buy that one as long as it was just like one film with all three. I'd be fine. I mean, with Christ, it. the monsters in Pacific Rim are called kaiju. Yeah, like come on, do it's, it. It's a gimme. It's a gimme. Tell you what else is a gimme. What? Or at least I thought it was. Uh-oh. Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events hits Netflix Doubt. on Friday the 13th of January. Yay! Perfect. Consider- Two days after my birthday. Considering... Exactly. So then, get your presents in, team. Uh, considering that means the 13 tradition of the books can continue in some way, because if everyone was like, why is it not 13 episodes? Why is it eight? You know, reasons. But at least they're continuing the 13 theme of the book by releasing it on Friday the 13th. That's quite cool. Because um, all the books, there's 13 books, and every book has 13 chapters. Except for book 13, which has a 14th chapter. Uh, Do you think they'll just stretch out the later books and make 13 series? No. I, I, <laughs> well, apparently it's, it's eight yes. episodes, two episodes per book, so that's two hours to adapt each book, plus a new, like a couple of plot threads they seem to have woven into it based on this trailer. Um, which means that you could do the entire thing in three and a bit series. So I wouldn't put it past them to do three series and the third one to have an additional two episodes to do book 13. That makes sense to me. Um, so yeah, and I'd be fine with that. That way the kids don't age too much and, you know, you can... But you don't you seem fine with some other aspects of this, Christopher. Yeah. Now, this is a full trailer. First teaser was the one with Patrick Warburton's Lemony Snicket. Walking that was through great. the set of the show. That it was, was great. Really good. It's like Hitchcock. It's just sort of the psycho trailer. He's walking through telling you about it all. Something terrible happens there. That's my Alfred Hitchcock. I don't know what he's supposed to be. This bathroom, there's a scene in the shower, it's just... Well, I, I, won't, I won't ruin it for you, but it's truly blood Okay, now, if we're too much in stress, and can we cut there? Oh, uh, is it so we can cut from here to the manor house? No, it's because I'd like to have dinner. <laughs> Someone Again. bring me a souffle and three steaks. I'll have twelve onions. Raw. <laughs> Covered in barbecue sauce. It's one of the things you Americans have done right. <laughs> Thanks, Alfred. I'll have a blooming onion. <laughs> Bring me a deep fried baby's head. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Is that. What did you ask for? It's what they call a steak and kidney pudding in the north of England. <laughs> oh, thank God! A deep-fried baby's head. Oh, thank God! What you meant was a, a steak and kidney pudding. Okay, I'm sure we can get you one of those. Yes, and when you're finished, bring me a toddler's torso. <laughs> is that a is that a type of is that a type of pie? No. Use every part of the animal. <laughs> I'll flush my teeth with the fingers. <laughs> oh, God. So after that... Um, oh, what the fuck? Then, really an- that tangent. then they released another brief teaser all about Olaf. Meet Olaf. Meet Olaf. Meet Dave. Veg Olaf. Oh, oh. oh laugh. Laugh all you want. And then we've got the full trailer. Pros, it looked beautiful. I love the sets. I absolutely adore the look of the series, especially all the nice places looking very nice and clean, pastel colours. It this looks lovely. And all of the horrible, dingy places looking horrible and dingy and foreboding, and the colour schemes, obviously, 
reflect the characters and who lives there and everything. Like, you, you don't see the reptile room in the trailer, but you see the exterior of Uncle Monty's house with the green hedges all trimmed into frogs and, and serpents. And, and you can see the big glass walls of the reptile room peeking out from behind the house. Can you see the great glass elevator? No! No, Mildred! Now, in this elevator, terrible happenstance occurs when <laughs> Je- Janet Lee walks into the elevator and she trips on her own heel. And she falls out of her shoe, which is quite shocking. I'm sure the ladies in the auditorium would agree. But then, you see, she falls forward. Stop it, Alfred. And she chips her Stop nail it. on the railing. And, and she, well, I don't want to spoil it for you, but somehow it ends with her intestines falling through the floor. Alfred, if you don't stop it, yes. then you're not getting any cookie points today. I don't want, no cookie points I, means no cookies. I don't want any cookies. I'll just take a box of kittens smothered <laughs> in honey with a fork, please. No kittens for you if you don't stop. Not even a shaved one. Not even a shaved one. Oh, that's a terrible shame. I'll go back to making um, vertigo now. And no more today, Alfred, or no kittens, okay? Mm. No, no, mm. no, mm. no. In your box. Oh, I see what in you're your doing. box. I see what you're doing. You're leaving me in suspense. I'll fucking suspend you in a minute. I'm wearing suspenders. Oh, stop! Look at the jingle. I'm watching them go. This is really a series of unfortunate events. Segwaying back to um, the series looks great, and I think the casting's pretty cool. We spotted um, our old our old friend Alfred Woodard. Alfred Woodard. As uh, Aunt Josephine, which is great casting. John Cusack. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, who was John Cusack? Justice uh, Strauss. She was in the little yeah, curly yeah. wig. Okay. Um, I'm not sure the actor's name. The guy playing Uncle Monty looks eccentric and wonderful. And 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 just like Uncle... Uh, Uncle Thingy. Uh, Mr. Poe looks like really good. He sort of seems pleasantly clueless like the characters in the books. Um, the Baudelaire's look the part. Although I'm a little... I'm questioning Violet's pink clothes. Nerd points here. Violet hates pink. In a later book, they're playing like a sort of would you rather game to figure out and just sort of pass the time. And she basically asked if she'd rather have a bath or wear pink because she hates both things. Baths take too long. She'd rather have a shower so she could get back to inventing. And uh, pink, she doesn't <laughs> like. Like pink makes it. The sight of pink makes it itch. So the fact she's wearing it in what looks like the first scene of the story on the beach makes me go, "What? Why find her wearing pink? Why do you wear pink, yeah? Maybe it's not pink. Maybe it's salmon." It's pink, you swine. Don't try and get around it. You swine! You swine hunt with your fishy face! But yes, there is that. Um, I'm not sold on the tone. I'm really wary of the tone. It feels like the the 2004 Nickelodeon movie. Which was a problem with the movie. It was a little too goofy. Considering these books are, closing the title, pretty unfortunate and horrible. You may call them... A series of unfortunate A events. series of events. A series of events which are unfortunate. A series of rather quirky events. A chain of miserable happenstances. Oh my god! Well, that's the parody. We'll write that around the time. Yeah. <laughs> Get on to the Harvard Lampoon. Don't. They have those really scary covers. The, uh, <laughs> sort of the hand-drawn versions of characters with massive heads. Not so... <laughs> Just freaking. I mean, you want me? You want me to pick up? Uh, you want me to pick up Lord of the Rings? But that cover's just putting me off. It's hideous. It's like a Toby jug come to life. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
It's like a Toby joke has come to life, started smoking a really unpleasant smelling cigar in my living room. I'm out, a Toby jug! Has turned, Kill me! Has turned around, looked me up and down and gone, you ever been raped? Like, it's just a horrible experience and I don't want to ever take part in it. That's horrendous. It is a bit. Skipping over that. That's why he was arrested. So, um, yes. I, I feel it's too goofy. And I'm going to have to wait and see. But two things, because that's the thing, I'm, I'm the sad bastard who's read them. Uh, more than a few times, all thirteen books, both the spin-offs, like the the um, the unauthorized autobiography, which is full of codes, which they talk about and, openly in the and trailer. Your life is the richer for it. It is. I bloody love those books and, yeah, and the so... Beatrice letters as well. But it looks like there's a plot thread with spoiler alert. For... Well, not really a spoiler. Just here's a character name from a later book. It looks like they're tying in the Kit Snicket storyline, which doesn't happen for a long while. Um... But I would, also, as I was saying, bringing in VFD. As I was saying, though, before we, when we were talking about it briefly before we started recording, I think if you want to tell that story over a long, over like three seasons, yeah, you need to start seeing that stuff in the first season, or it's going to come out of nowhere. That's very true. Um, and despite what I've said before, <laughs> I'm starting to have doubts about NPH. About old Neil Patrick Harris, it feels like he's playing a Carey's Olaf Don't you rather be talking than Olaf. shit about MPH. I'll talk shit about MPH. Don't you be talking shit as about MPH. As talented and wonderful as he is, he once took a shit all over uh, J News by saying in an interview, like, what director casts their junkie friend? That's disgusting. So I've always had a little bit of disrespect for him. Um, fair, if I had known J News and he was a junkie, I probably would have said the same thing. Yeah. He knew he was a junkie. He isn't anymore. I know. I, yeah. No, I'm just saying, no. <laughs> No, if I'd have known him when he was a junkie. Ah, yeah, yeah fair play. He thought he was, he was cracked in America. Like a famous anecdote. <laughs> Leaping over fences, trying to get heroin. Um, so, yeah. But at the same time, he's also Dr. Horrible, and I freaking adore him. Um, I thought you said he was nice. What? What? So, yeah, I. it seems like he's playing Jim Carrey's version of Count Olaf, which is a shame, because... Jim Carrey that. did it already. We've seen that, yeah. <laughs> it, it didn't really work. So... I would like to have seen him play it more sinister, but whatever. There's a nice gag in there with a the sand timer, which is out of place, but funny. A lot of people in the comments complaining about that, because he talks about buying it online. Everyone's like, but they didn't have computers back then. And a lot of people, like myself, who've actually read the books, have to point out, uh, the books aren't set in a specific time period. Yeah. Like Batman the Animated Series, there is an aesthetic, and they stick to it. But the book mentions cellular telephones but they refer to them as like cellular phones and um computers like instead of you know laptops and things like that they don't talk the internet's never mentioned but if computers exist you can damn well believe it's quite possibly sometime in the like the 90s or 2000s but it's not it's just set in its own thing its look is very sort of victorian-y but that's not when it's set no so get over it you swines you bastards! But I trust it for two. Th- I, trust, I trust it for two reasons. Still, Lemony Snicket's assistant, Daniel Handler, the author who writes under the pseudonym Lemony Snicket. <gasps> well, Lemony's a character, sort of, kind of. Um, I don't say too much, but uh, yeah, you always say too oh, much. Yes. But Daniel Handler has <laughs> co-written the show. Uh, it looks like a couple of the plot threads he sewed into the movie that didn't get picked up because it never got a sequel, he's put back into this, like the spy glasses and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so he obviously has gone, this is a story I want to tell. 
And also, it's Netflix. It's a Netflix original. And aside from giving Adam Sandler a full five-film contract, they've not really made a mistake so far. So I trust them. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh yeah, well, if, I'll if, take that. If Netflix wants to invite us to a press screening in early January, just you know, just give us a holler. You know, um, what, so yeah. you know what I don't trust though. Oh, on the evidence of the new sneak peek, <laughs> I don't trust that this year's Doctor Who Christmas special will be a return to form. What are you talking about? Its current form is that the return of Doctor Mysterio sneak peek appeared on Children in Need. Doctor Mysterio. Fucking horrible type. It is. The thing is, once upon a time, in a different showrunning era and a different level of trust with its viewers, we would have thought that title was quite cute and fun because it's a reference to the fact that in Spain the show's called Doctor Mysterio. Oh, that's so, so it's a cute little nod. But it's a superhero story, so you just know at some point that's either going to be an identity the Doctor uses, or the whole episode's title is a giant joke. Because the superhero is not called Doctor Mysterio. No, and also, Doctor Who's not been on for a year, so it's like the title's going, The Return of Doctor... But when you have those box sets, when you have them chronologically on your shelf, on Netflix, there isn't a gap. No. So it doesn't make it... The reason why Batman Returns title is weird... You can have a gap. Batman does return, but he didn't go anywhere. You can have a gap as long as you want. And it still won't work. Yeah, because... No, because he can always return. If I go to the toilet now, then when I come back, I'll be returning. I was only gone for two minutes. Oh, God. Maybe five if I had a lot to eat. But we don't go anywhere during this. We just poo where we're sat. Yeah. So we don't need to return. Um, so there's brains in jars. The doctor's eating sushi. For, for no reason. reason. Um, then he acts really daftly and, and sort of, oh, scatterbrained again. So the character's sort of changed again. Although it's consistent with how he was in class, I suppose. Um, yeah. Then there's, oh, a, there's a reporter with him who's undercover in a very comic book style. She works for the Daily Chronicle and stuff. It's like, okay, fair enough. Her surname's Fletcher. I thought it was a weird little murder she wrote nod. Yeah, that's pretty um, cool. And then Nardole rocks up and is less Nardole than last time, but still sort of irritating. And seemingly out of nowhere. Yeah, it just appears. Um, that might be an editing thing, though. We don't then, know what's happening. Then anymore. a bad guy corners him and threatens to shoot him. And he says he'll have to, he can plead self-defence when they find the bodies. So the Doctor makes a genuinely kind of clever stall for time move. That was actually quite good. I which is they turn around, because if he shoots them in the back, then he didn't shoot them in self-defence. Brilliant idea. Yeah. But then the sneak peek goes in a direction that seems directionless. Um, yeah, it has a clear direction. Down the toilet. So here's the thing. You have a superhero who can apparently shatter the glass of a building that's been created to withstand a nuclear bomb. Four nuclear blasts. Four nuclear blasts. Said superhero then floats in front of the glass, clicks his fingers and the glass breaks. So he then stands, he walks toward a man shooting at him. With every bullet, he bounces backwards with his chest like it's knocking him slightly. It's a real horrible bit of physical acting. It's It's really horrible. horrible. It's really bad. Then he sort of fast-forward grabs the guy by the throat in a really awkwardly staged shot. It's very poor. He punches the guy in the gut in a way that looks really weird. It's very poor, Christopher. And he talks like Christian Bell's Batman. Kind of, not as grabby. He's doing the dark and broody voice, like the oh, whole talk, talking like this. I'm a superhero. This is how superheroes yeah. talk. No, it isn't. Watch the Flash, motherfucker. I'm a superhero. I'm a superhero. 
I hate to say this, but it's true. And this is down to the design of the costume, not the actor's fault. If your actor doesn't have a lantern jaw, don't give them the freaking uh, Kyle Rayner Green Lantern mask. Which is a horrible mask design anyway. Yeah, but you don't give them that mask unless they've got the jaw to pull it off. You don't give the superhero a giant quiff because it makes them look stupid. You've got to have a chin Super- to win. Yeah, oh god. Superhero, that's why we have several. Superheroes are on a streak, baby. Never lose. Superheroes need sensible hair. Not giant quiff that looks like it's been preened within an inch of its life. Two Even girls super... need love too. Oh yeah, um, but it's just little things about it, and we maybe we maybe we're nitpicking this because we're comic book nerds or whatever. But it's just little things that sort of shatter the illusion a bit because he shouldn't be bouncing his chest when he's being shot if he's meant to be invincible. He should just walk for. He should Brandon Ruth it in Superman Returns and just walk and let the bullets ping off. Yeah, Superman doesn't Hell, need to recoil. even show one, like, recoiling off his face. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Then you'd go, oh god, this guy's bulletproof. Yeah, but then they'd have to lose Matt Lucas because he wouldn't be able to afford his salary from that one shot. Oh god. <laughs> I'm losing bounced off his face. We love Matt Lucas. Disclaimer. We do love Matt Lucas. We're not keen on Nardole. Um Why does he click his fingers to shatter the glass? In fact, if the glass is thick enough to withstand four nuclear blasts, you shouldn't have been able to hear him tap it unless he's super strong. Which he must be. If he's super strong, why does he click his fingers and shatter the glass? Shouldn't he have sort of made some kind of like face and have like a little wibble effect and the glass shatter? Or even cool, this would have been cooler. Shouldn't he have just tapped the glass like to get their attention and then press it with his finger and shatter it? Then you go, this guy's strong. This guy's well strong. Well, like the bit in Metalocalypse where the singer just gets into yes. the meat freezer by pressing his head against the glass until it shatters. Exactly! Exactly! <laughs> <laughs> Um, I I can answer all of your questions. Go for it. With one, with one answer. Go for it. So, anything that you don't like about this, yeah, and everything that you're going, oh, I but 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 yeah, you know why it's like that? Go on. Because the majority of the production team thought it was cool. Do you know what would have been a smart move here? What? Bring back some of your directing talent from previous years, from the Tenant era, yeah. because some of them yeah, yeah. have worked on the likes of Daredevil, Jessica Jones, The Flash. Like, now would have been your excuse. I mean, even Rachel Talele did a couple episodes of The Flash. That's a great name. Now would be your excuse to go, you've shot a superhero show, Rachel. Can you do our Christmas episode? Do you know what I mean? I think it's far more that they're doing, they're doing more successful shows. Well, I don't know well, who. Well, Rachel Talele is like she. I don't know if she's signed on for this series, but she's been. She's directed episodes of series eight and nine. I think. Surely she would have been like, "Yeah, go for it." If they just said, "Do the Christmas special," it's about superheroes. You've directed Flash. Bring some of that that flair to this. I don't think you the... directed um, Freddy's Dead. <laughs> I think when Doctor <laughs> Who came back, it was. It she was did. A, true story. <laughs> it was a real. Um, it was a real. Uh, Draw for directors. It's a real draw for directors, and especially up and coming directors. With which would then, but even then, they weren't frightened to take their pick from people who yeah. knew it. I mean, Graham Harper directed like a good yeah. sort of like what eight and nine modern series episodes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's like I mean, this upcoming series they've announced that um, I've forgotten her name off the top of my head, but the lady who wrote Survival. Oh, Ronan Monroe. That's the one. Yeah, he's writing a story for series ten, so they're not frightened to to dip into the talent pool from the past anymore. Well, I think I, but I think that. But, but like Ooh. to not take advantage of someone from your recent past who has expertise in that genre. Like I say, I, I think that the good directors are all moved on to better things, and hmm. 
the show is not in a place where it attracts them anymore. Yeah, fair play. Um, but also, here's the other thing. So, where do you think it might be set? It's definitely New York, because yeah. they mentioned New York. Um, well, it's American City. It seems to be modern day, if not slightly in the future, maybe. Yeah. Um, why is it? Why are the rules of this universe apparently now a comic book? Because that's... That's the archetype, right? Yeah. Yeah, but we know from Doctor Who, thanks to the... Th- I mean, I think the third Doctor is the first one to name drop a superhero. Or the third Doctor. He named drop Batman. We know that this is a world like ours. They're comic books. Like, other superheroes have been referenced by modern ah, Doctors. But to be fair... Yarb. There are comic books in the comic book universes. That's true too. Starring but, the characters who are real in the comic book universes. But what I'm saying is, because it's going to turn out to be alien intervention, obviously, but what I'm saying is, in the world of Doctor Who that has been established specifically in the modern run... The world of Doctor Who! It's a relatively normal Earth, like ours. The world's like our world. The fantastical elements yeah, until hit, it, hit us like a ton of bricks. Until it isn't. It's a relatively normal world until it isn't. Yeah, but even in that relatively normal world, could you imagine in the middle of a Tenant episode, the superhero archetype suddenly being the rules of the universe, for example. Nah, not at all. It just, do you know what I mean? Just tonally, it feels very jarring. Now, unless this turns out to be some kind of, um, you know, like the land of fiction kind of deal. Oh, maybe it is the land of fiction. I wish, but I don't think, I don't think they've got the stones oh. slash the creativity to try something like that. I don't think you got the guts. Like a Celestial Toymaker episode. Yeah, I'm just going to throw you into a toy box. Oh. Welcome to a superhero toy box. That'd be really good, that. That'd be great. But I don't think they'd have the balls to do something like that. Do you know it'd be a really nice uh, Celestial Toymaker? What's that? Oh, no, he's already been in it. I was going to say, he sort of got that kind of air about him. It's not the same as um, Michael... Michael Goff. Michael Goff, exactly. But someone like um, Ian Glenn would be interesting, but he's already been in it. He was... He was Oh, the yeah, 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 in the Angel 2 part. But you know I mean? Someone like that who could kind of have that mischievous glint but still be very regal and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if he was still with us, I'd be like, put Michael Goff in it! <laughs> Just put Michael Goff in it! Wheel him in! But is it any surprise <laughs> that we're looking at something new from Doctor Who and going, oh, that looks pants? Here's the ultimate question. Christmas Day is my one day off during this panto season. Yep. I will not be watching the return of Doctor, Doctor Mysterio on Christmas Day because I will be spending it drinking, eating food, seeing loved ones, playing with my new toys. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That's yeah. what I'm going to be doing. Do you feel any inclination to watch on Christmas Day? No. Did you feel any inclination to watch Husbands of River Song on Christmas Day? I still haven't watched Husbands of River Song. That sums it up. <laughs> the only I reason still I, haven't watched only it. The only reason I ended up watching it finally in July of this year was because all this, like talk of Nardole, I was like, I should probably find out why this character's inclusion in the new series is annoying people so much. So I watched it and went, yeah, I completely get it. And also, this is terrible. Uh, the return of Doctor Who Gives a Fuck uh, is on Christmas Day, followed by Series 10, which hopefully, hopefully Series 10's got reasons to make us watch. I am that starts keeping in, everything crossed. That starts in spring. But until then... Let's just wait till 2018, shall we? Uh, I'll touch really briefly on that Mirror article. Um, speculating that the BBC bosses want a big change for Doctor Who. Uh, I imagine that would be a case of yes and no. Like, it's all hearsay, but... Yeah, they do want to change, I imagine. Because it's lost its way in many ways. Change, my dear! And it seems a moment too late. Yes. Well, I guess we'll find out, won't we? Right, do you know what else we'll find out? Uh, no. 
Because I'm fiddling around with plugs. Yeah, you are, you dirty swine. There we go. Love it. A couple of weeks ago, we had a lovely email asking us what our top five Marvel Cinematic Universe movies are. So like the Red Dwarf episodes before it, many moons ago now. Many moons ago. We thought we'd back and forth it and see what our top five are without telling. With a bit of discussion. Oh, but Chris. Yes, Matt. I still don't know. Oh my God. Well, do you want me to go first and you go second with each one? Um, so you can I'm having real piece. trouble. I'm having real trouble. You're really trouble struggling. Yeah. You're really struggling, baby. Because they're so good. Oh my God. I'll tell you what. Have you got a pen there? I've got a pen. you got a pen? I've got a pen. Got a pen. Grab that post-it. Yeah. And whilst I'm not looking, see if you can write them down as we go. All right. If you, enter- if you change your feelings during, that's fine. You entertain the masses while I do that. Quick, I'll do a soft shoe. Well, we're counting only the movies of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yep. So that's from Iron Man right up to Doctor Strange. That's as it 14 is. movies. 14! I'm not a fan of these movies. Um, that is only those guys. We are not counting any Marvel movies released during that period by Fox or Sony or what have you. It's got to be those 14 movies released by Disney. Um, or as, as the first three are by Paramount. Um... And here we go. My number five, my top five MCU movies. Yeah. Mo Trucker. Is Iron Man 3. Oh, is it? Yes, it is. Oh, is it? And I will tell you for why. Why do we enjoy the Iron Man movies? Um, Because Tony Stark. Because Tony Stark. Yeah. And what is Iron Man 3 about? Tony because Tony Stark. Stark. It's just Tony Stark. This is a man who we've go, seen go on a journey. We've seen his... Sort of selfish um, semi-redemption in the first movie. When yeah. he realises that his work causes harm. So he tries to reverse the effects by causing more harm. But it's all on his hands. He's still a douche. He's a, he was a charisma machine, but he's an arsehole. And he's a lovable arsehole. He's a proper Han Solo kind of, you know, narcissistic, lovable dick. Um, Iron Man 2 is a sort of placeholder movie but still enjoyable it's still a good film it's just yeah. not an amazing film it's like it's like <laughs> a homemade pie where the crusts are a little burnt and maybe the pastry's <laughs> a little too soft in the, on the bottom but the filling's really good yeah <laughs> and as a whole you stick some gravy over it and I've put some mash on the side and it's tasty that is a great way to describe it but it is a bit stodgy and saggy <clears> and <throat> it could have been done way better however as far as Tony's character goes all his chickens come home to roost in that movie. All it's, it's, his eggs. It's come showing in one that basket. just because you've put on a suit and just because you've saved a few people, including just your own ass mostly, doesn't mean you're redeemed. My father's legacy was screwed up by you, and I'm going to take revenge. My Meanwhile, you you creating this suit means our companies are going to fill the gap you left, and not only that, we want to do better than what you're doing. We're going to catch you up. So it's it's a case of like. You can't run away from all your troubles, Tony. Just you, by, you can't hide in your suit. Iron Man 3 puts him in his most vulnerable position ever. Because yeah. after Avengers, he realises, oh shit, I nearly died. I saw the infinity of space. I drove a nuclear warhead through a wormhole and nearly died. And it's a sacrifice play which he chooses to make in Avengers, but I don't think the reality of that sacrifice hits him until after. Oh yeah, yeah I yeah. love the fact Iron Man Three is about Tony Stark going through po- like post-traumatic stress disorder, and not conquering it either. No, he doesn't conquer it. By the end of the film, he realizes it. This has shaken me, but that's okay. I'm going to go forward knowing that 
I this needs to be important. I yeah, need to yeah. think, take all of this seriously. Yeah. I can't be getting drunk and fighting my mate in armor at a party while Queen plays in the background. Give me a and piss in the beat suit. to beat my buddy's ass to. Oh God! Um, <laughs> but he you know actually it's... cracks up while he's saying it. It's great, but it's just see, Iron Man Two is an enjoyable movie. Yeah, it's got moments. Um, but it's uh, I want my board and anything Sam Rockwell does. I want my board. Um, but. Iron Man 3 is great because it's him realising, yeah, I need to take all of this shit seriously. I really need to. Plus some really nightmarish visuals with the extremist stuff, like burning yeah, people up from yeah. the inside and the suit coming like at night, like approaching the bedroom and stuff, and like it's over pepper in the night. That's terrifying. Stuff like that is really creepy. Uh, the Mark 42 suit is my favourite design, I think. With the, all the gold on the... Yeah, I think the Age of Ultron Civil War adjustments to it, making swapping the red for the gold is quite nice. The Civil War I want to like, it's like the, it's the bleeding edge suit with all the uh, from lights. There, from Heroic Age. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, but like I like that. I, I was like, oh God, is it mostly gold? That's going to be really ugly. In motion, I was like, that looks It looks gorgeous. really nice. It's a really nice looking suit. Bonus points for getting a child actor who's not infuriating. Oh yeah, that kid's great. He's great. Their entire thing's great. It's like your dad left you. Don't be a pussy about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's brilliant. Um, the fact that he's like, "Let me come with you." No, <laughs> he yeah. just leaves. Uh, no, it's Tony surviving on his wits. It's Pepper sort of giving it a lot more room to breathe. I like Pepper in that movie. I'm not a huge fan of Pepper. I, I, I think their relationship's great. Well, but I've never really adored the character. I think until that movie because you sort of go like, "Yeah, you two you two shouldn't be a thing, but you totally need each other. Like, I think, you need uh, to take care of one another, because he's useless without you. Mark Herman and, boiled and, down the... Uh, the oh, go on. The, uh, the dynamic. The dynamic best. Go on. Um, and why it was so enjoyable as just being... As that's that's why they're that's enjoyable. Tony and Peppy and why it works so well. But they're enjoyable to watch. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's why. That's, that's, that's the contrast that's so enjoyable. <laughs> but they, um, they totally honed it by that third one too, because their scene in Avengers is great. I think that might be their strongest scene together. Yeah, yeah. Because you sort of go like, yeah, you two are great together. In, in Iron Man three, it's it's obviously tested and everything. Um, Guy Pearce is the only kind of weak link for me. Aldrich Killian is fine, and I get it. But the weird Edward Nigma makeup thing at the beginning is strange, considering it also clearly informed Jamie Foxx in Amazing Spider-Man. Oh too. yeah, yeah, it's really odd. But that entire oh. flashback to '99 is great. I mean, it's the first Marvel movie that doesn't open with like the music. It opens with um, now, now this is oh, yeah. now listen up. Here's a story about a little guy who lives in a blue world. I was sat there in a cinema in the states watching this, and this moment that started, me and about four other people just looked around like. <laughs> like looking at other people to see what their reactions were. Tastefully, tastelessly putting us in the nineties. Um, love it. Uh, oh, and Happy's mullet. Happy Hogan and mullet. Oh my god, yes. Um, stuff like that works really well. Uh, the fights with the extremist guys are great, simply because a lot of it's done without the armor. Yeah. When all the armors come out to play in the last set piece, it's visually spectacular. It's really cool to see. The idea that the government used with Rhodey would would um, would uh, patriotise the war machine armor, oh, yeah, yeah. and that's how you get Iron Patriot in the cinematic universe. Brilliant. I love the design of the Iron Patriot armor. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Um, and also, 
I'm not mad as a lot of others. I love my comics. I love faithfulness to the source material. But if you change something to adapt to that story in a way where it's like, okay, that avoids some really complicated, potentially offensive issues, and at the same time tells a great story for this story, I'm fine with it. The Mandarin is fucking great. Oh, the, in Iron Man that 3. Mandarin twist. Spoilers if you haven't seen Iron Man 3. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't seen Iron Man 3, stop listening now and go and watch Iron Man 3. Because it's great. You have been warned. But that moment Well, to, where... to, to spend so much time leading up to that oh. moment, seeing this Osama Bin Laden-esque figure in all of these videos... And it didn't like... leak! It didn't leak. It, it didn't It's one of the few leak. things that did not leak. I saw Because I saw it in the States. It arrived in, when I was on holiday there. Yeah, yeah. It arrived in the States a week after the UK. It came out two days before I flew out. And I purposely was like, I'm going to wait till America. I want to I sit down in the cinema at um, Universal City Walk and watch Iron Man 3 on the opening night. And we did. It was amazing. They served hot food. I got massive chicken dippers um, and a beer. It was great. But um, like, I sat down. After a week, no one had leaked it. No one had mentioned it. I didn't find out. I'm so happy about that. People respected the twist enough in the UK to not spoil it online. Yeah, because I so great. I didn't see it. I mean, I saw it with your friend of mine, Charlie. Um, <laughs> our friend and... Daniels. <laughs> He's but, free um... from his tour soon. We'll have to lure him into our clutches. Hold him tightly. Rochelle. Hold him tightly like a lover. Never let me go. Uh, Except when I need to poo. Yeah, that would um, be weird if you kept holding on. Well, hold but, on while you wee. Big spoon. But we but, saw it and we ju- our jaws just dropped... <laughs> Oh, no, 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 I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm an actor. It's so good. Cause yeah. you, you get Kingsley because the gravity of the role when he's playing the leader of the Ten Rings, the Mandarin, is like, wow, you're compelling as hell. You're doing this weird thing with your voice, but it's not like Christian Bale off-putting. It's more Heath Ledger intriguing. It's yeah. like, wow, you're really intimidating. And then you find out that the Mandarin is Trevor Slattery, a poor drug-abusing actor from London who's been cast in the part of these viral videos by Aldrich Killian to make the world feel that it's under a terror threat. When it is, but not from the Mandarin, it's to get everyone looking one direction while he does something in the other. It's great. It's played so well. It's one of the funniest damn scenes. And then following that up, because that because here's the thing as well, Iron Man 3 is directed by Shane Black. It's yeah. a Lethal Weapon movie it's kiss, starring kiss, Iron Man. It's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with Iron Man. Without Val Kilmer. Like, it's yeah. just, oh, it's, but, yeah, that's a real shame. Aldrich, Aldrich Killian's um, hair sort of... It, it, yeah, yeah, is yeah. Val Kilmer-esque enough. Gay Perry. Um, we need Gay yeah. Perry in uh, Iron Man 3. <laughs> but it's so good. And then the whole thing with like him and Rhodey trying to figure out what to do next while Trevor's watching the football. Yeah. Like, just... All yeah, of yeah. it is so good. Oh, the, Don Cheadle gets some really fun stuff Don to do Cheadle's in that movie so as well. Don Cheadle's so good in those three films that he's in. Well, he's in I four of them. cameos in a... Is he cameo in Avengers? He, no, no, he doesn't. He's in Age of Ultron. Yeah, he's in Age of Ultron. Freaking love Don Cheadle. Uh, and Trevor Slattery, just Ben Kingsley, brilliant. The only thing the film was missing was a throwaway mention of, um, like, the Mandarin was said to be a, a mythical figure. So yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. It just needed one mention of that in the movie somewhere. So that you could go, oh right, they're using the Mandarin as an identity. Because the problem is, a lot of comic book fans got offended when they went, Aldrich Killian isn't the Mandarin. Because he tears his shirt off to reveal a dragon tattoo. Yeah, and goes, yeah. you want the Mandarin? I am the Mandarin. What he's basically saying is, I am the threat. You don't get it. I am what's... You... But people translated it as, are they saying he's the Mandarin? Well, that's bullshit. No, he's saying he's the Mandarin. Yeah, they're not going to do a Fu Manchu. <laughs> they're not going to do a Fu Manchu magical rings guy yet. In a post Doctor Strange world, we might get a version I of the Mandarin in some way. 
I doubt they will. But they sort of, obviously we get the mini sequel, Hail to the King. Yeah, yeah. On the Marvel one-shots, on, on the Thor Blu-ray. So we do find out that there is someone out there who's very pissed off with everybody involved in this. There is somebody out there. And, and the Ten Rings in this universe, obviously, are a terrorist organization. Iron Man 3 is great. I don't give a fuck what you say. It's an amazing movie. That's my number five. What's your number five, Sonny Jim Boy Django? Well, I think it says a lot about the overall quality of the Marvel oeuvre. Um... That a movie this good, and it is really brilliant. It's so, it's so sharp and tight. <laughs> it's got incredible action. It's got a, it's got a like a, a lovely, uh, like watch perfect plot, full of little pieces that all fit together really nicely. It develops its central character uh, much. Like much better, uh, it gives him a through line and and picks up on elements from the first film, filtering it through uh, Avengers and then into the next one, and it's Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Oh, um, I love that movie. And that's number five. I know. So I was going to say, how good are the Christ. movies above this? Um, it's yeah, the the Russo <laughs> brothers come on and they knock it out of the park. The action is brilliant like really solid weighty a motorcycle going head to head with a jet what really grabbing hold of a helicopter that is it that's it that's civil war oh sorry i'm just thinking Um, of rippling biceps oh wow uh yeah introducing sam wilson the falcon's a great character they do brilliant brilliant wonderful things with uh scarlett johansson's black widow Mm. like her they prove that she's the spine of the MCU yeah. in that movie. Because at this point she was random character in Iron Man 2 and in Avengers. This is the movie that makes you go, oh shit. They did some interesting she's stuff really in Avengers, but yeah. She, oh yeah, but, but it, this is the movie where... Because here's the thing. It is a crime she's not had a movie or at least a confirmation of a movie yet. Yeah. Because yeah. I think we would all watch that like right away. But at the same time, does she need one? This movie makes you go, I could totally be fine with her never getting yeah. one because she is the spine of this whole setup. Well, that's the thing as well, because like after Avengers, people were like, oh, we should get a Black Widow solo movie because Scarlett Johansson's cool and Black Widow's cool and we need more women superhero movies. Hmm. But then after Winter Soldier, then you've got people saying, oh, we need a Black Widow solo movie because what the Russos did with her was really, really interesting and yeah. helped her grow as a character and I want to see more of her. Um Rather than it just be in a cool movie with a lady, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think what they what they did to weave the Winter Soldier narrative into something else, and kind of bring and and uh, basically make the superhero movie as a political thriller, as an espionage. I've always thrill. referred to it as all the president's men with punching. Yeah, basically, <laughs> it's. Um, I mean, Robert Redford's in it. Yeah, that's sort of like narrowed down. He's great in it as well. Um, it's Alexander Pierce. Alexander yeah. Pierce. And the idea that... Because that's the turning point, especially by the time... When we first meet Tony Stark, he's an arrogant arsehole. Yeah, yeah. He's all out for number one. And when we first meet Captain America, he's the selfless hero who'd do anything for his country. By the time Civil War rolls around, Tony Stark is too cautious, terrified of consequences, yeah. and will do anything to keep people safe based on the wrongs he's done. Yeah. And what he's learned, like, the hard way. Whereas Steve, 
doesn't trust authority anymore will not just do anything for queen and country because he doesn't know what the ulterior motives are anymore. Yeah. And it's so weird because it's like these characters are completely opposite places and Steve's journey is completely told for that in Winter Soldier. Because think... suddenly the country he's fought for and the organisation he has fought alongside this whole time to keep the world safe turns out that at least half of them were the other side. The country whose flag he wears. Yes. And that's that's the great thing. The thing I like best about when Captain America's written in the comics, that everyone does this with him, but the thing I like, the versions of him that I like the most, and the runs yeah. on him that I like the most. Like and, and, and stuff. Yeah. And what they do with him in this is where he's, he's representing this country that he doesn't fully trust. So he's not representing the government and the regime. He's, re- he's representing the people of that country. Yeah. And looking out for their interests, not just doing what he's blindly told to do by the people in charge because he wears the flag. And I think that's that's the key to getting Captain America right. Yeah. Because if you just make him a patriot, like you're doing Ultimate uh, Marvel, mm-hmm. if you just make him an pa- unquestioning patriot, an almost right-wing hardliner in a way, it doesn't really work for me. Yeah. He, he's for the people. He's yeah. not for, like you said, the power. He's not for the government. He's not there to obey the president. He respects the president. He's there to protect and serve the people. Yeah. Um, so Winter Soldier obviously like challenges his his faith in the system that did exist in the movies up to that point. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk a bit more about the Winter Soldier later on. Yes. So don't you worry about that. I feel you will. So your number five, Captain America: The Soldier. The Winter Soldier. My number four is 2012's. The Avengers. The Avengers. A.K.A. Avengers Assemble for us here in the... Yep. Avengers <laughs> Assemble. Avengers Assemble. Yes. Nothing will quite top the feeling of seeing this in the theatre that I got in 2012 sitting down on opening night to watch this. It was just like... There was nothing like this before. How could, there yeah. honestly was not anything like this before. If you had told, if you had told me as a kid that I was going to see an Avengers movie, one, I'd go, that's boring. I want to see an X-Men movie. <laughs> and then I got an X-Men movie and was like, oh, actually, the X-Men aren't that great anymore. I'm going to go and read other characters and then got into the Avengers. <laughs> uh, if you'd have told me in 2005, uh, when I started reading the Brian Michael Bendis uh, new Avengers run, that I was going to see an Avengers movie with Captain America and Iron Man and Thor <laughs> and, they were, and Black Widow and fucking Hawkeye and they were all going to be you know, you know modernised but faithful versions of those characters and they were going to fight Loki <laughs> and I'm like get on your fucking bike mate <laughs> I'm, get... about, I'm about to watch Blade Trinity yeah. on VHS yeah this is the best <laughs> we're going to get you know I've seen Steel Oh god! I know how good it can get. Oh god! But it's never going to get that good. <laughs> how wrong we were! Oh, I, th- I think man. that's the thing. I never in a million years would imagine we'd seen a Thor movie. I never in a million years imagined we were going to see a Captain America movie. I sh- certainly, sure as hell, never in a million years imagined we were going to see all those characters from their individual movies be together in the same film. Because no one had done anything like the this The closest before. to this was Monster Squad. And even then, that wasn't like a franchise finale. It was just, oh look, here's all the classic monsters in the same movie. And also, they're less... Or Van Helsing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They're less complicated characters. Yeah. As well. They're more archetypes. Yeah, they're, they're whereas, a silhouette. Whereas these guys... They do follow certain archetypes, but they yeah. are more nuanced, layered characters. Yeah. 
Uh, and that's what was so special about it. I mean, Iron Man was fucking great. Incredible Hulk was a pretty damn fun ride. Thor was so surprisingly brilliant. Like I we, we were, a little, I remember I was going to watch that in um, yeah. Hammersmith, being a bit like, "Oh God, I'm excited, but what if this? What, what if, if it's pants? What if this doesn't work? Yeah, it freaking worked. And then Captain America, superb. Oh, absolutely first Avengers nailed really the tone. Good. It's really good. So I was geared. I was so geared for this film, and nothing could have prepared me for how overjoyed I genuinely was when I saw it. Yeah, it's a Joss Whedon film. Excellent um, choice for director and writer because the dude knows how to handle an ensemble cast and give everybody equal playing. Yeah, there's no wasted space in that movie. There's one one it's character. So economical one character tight. is shortchanged as far as some are concerned, and that's Hawkeye. Yeah. However, it works within the story. You get to know him through how he deals with the revenge for what yeah, happens to him, yeah. and also introducing so many characters together in one movie. It would it would be ridiculous if they suddenly piled on his and Black Widow's backstories in full. So they trust you as an audience member to listen enough, to pay attention enough, to get the gist of Clint. And it's and all there. It's about. It's all there in the. It's dialogue. all there, and then they know that you're going to enjoy it. Don't worry, we'll see more of him next time. There's going yeah. to be more Hawkeye. Um, visual set pieces, stunning. The fight on the helicarrier, like yeah. between the Hulk and Hawkeye's jet and Captain America and Iron Man trying to fix the. Um, what's it the, the turbine yeah. uh, and everything the um the, the random mini scrap which we all i mean that was a jizz your pants moment for a comic book fan to see the little three-way mini scrap between iron man thor and cap in the woods yeah. just like oh my god they're on screen together and yeah. it's amazing um what's it you do not know is it you know not what you do de- uh, what you're dealing with shakespeare in the park <laughs> doth mother know <laughs> you weareth her drapes <laughs> Just stuff like that. The, the, the Iron Man arriving, like, oh my god, the guy in Germany standing up to yeah, Loki. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, oh my god. There and, are and then, always men like you. Oh, that's so good. And then, and then Cap holding his own against Loki for a moment. You're yeah. like, he's not going to win this. Loki's going to destroy him. But he holds his own, and then Stark rocks up. Freaking ACDC blasted out over the speaker system of, course, of the chopper. Of course. So good. And then just little subtle things as well. Like little sort of things. Like the way that, um, without explaining Hulk's story, even, even if you've not seen Incredible Hulk, in Ruffalo's first scene with Johansson, you get the gist. I also you think... get the basics of how this works. There is a bomb inside this man and it could explode at any second. Like she remains completely calm throughout. But then there's that one moment where he sort of flinches and she snatches a gun out of nowhere. And it's like, she's terrified. And I, I also... And it really, like, it builds the Hulk up so well so that when he arrives, you're scared. I think two things about Hulk, though. Yeah. In particular, in particular to this movie. One, he steals every scene he's in. Oh, it's the best use as of the Hulk Ma- in As film. does Mark Ruffalo. Because Mark, Mark Ruffalo is replacing Edward Norton in this. Which we're worried and about. Because Norton does a pretty damn good job in Incredible yeah, Hulk. Yeah, I love Norton in Incredible Hulk. But it, and it, it's the same character. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely yeah. the same character. But if you watch the films back to back, it'll feel weird. Yeah. I think if you watch um, them as you meant to, with three movies between them, it feels feel fine. It feels bad. Yeah, it feels about right. And but also, I think Hulk's one of those characters like Spider Man or Batman or Superman, where you and the Incredible Hulk got this right as well, where you don't need to tell his origin. Yeah. Because everyone knows it. He yeah. was such a cultural icon in the 70s. Yeah. And that sort of continues. He's been in the public eye enough since then that people know what the Hulk and who the Hulk is. Well, it's Jekyll and Hyde, too. Yeah. It's like it's Banner's, Je- been, yeah, Banner's been Jekyll changed, and, and that's, that's 
this is it. This is his bag, baby. Um, but not just that, just there's little subtle things as well. Um, one of my favourites being the Ravens. When Thor steals Loki and takes him to the um, takes him to the clearing, to the cliff top. Two Ravens circle the cliff. Yeah. Just little things like that. It's like Odin's watching. Just like, do you know what I mean? Stuff like that is really nice. Um, I love the Avengers. And the feeling of seeing that come together was astounding. And that one shot, that tracking shot of all of them during that fight. That's the, that's the, that's the moment that, set that you were waiting. That's the money shot. It's, oh, God. It's, it's funny. It's wonderful. You get to see Loki at full power. It's the movie where you realise that you really like Agent Coulson. And Joss knows that you're going to really like him. Because yeah. he takes him away. I'm going to take him from you. Oh, That's God. what Joss Whedon does. He takes all the things. Baseball cards. The turn, oh. turn Clint into his personal flying monkey. I understood that reference. <laughs> oh. like, it's just all these lines. It's such a Joss Whedon movie. It's yeah. great. There's and... no wasted space. The dialogue's razor sharp. Mm. It strikes the perfect balance between humour and tension. And you could end it there. That could be the end of the series, yeah. and it'd be like that was great. It's an almost perfect action movie with a nice PS that by this point it had earned. Yeah, yeah. it had earned teasing the future because we trusted them by this point. It was film. It was film number six, and it was great. And that's going to pay off soon. Oh yeah, boy! Um, I mean, they're playing a long game. They're not rushing it, no. which is amazing. It shows that the restraint is astounding and, and applauded. So, Avengers is my number four. Iron Man 3 is my number 4. Yeah, boy! Um, I think I like it slightly more. Lethal Weapon 5. Because, yeah. Well, it's ki- <laughs> like I said before, it's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with Iron Man. It's a Christmas movie too. Yeah, it's cri- it's great alternative Christmas movie. It's just Shane Black firing all the cylinders. Great dialogue. Wonderful characterizations, Some great action set pieces. Uh, the fact that he's not in his armour for a, so much of the movie and it helps focus on the character. Because you don't need to see that much Iron Man stuff in this because you've seen Iron Man do his thing. Mm. This is about Tony Stark learning to do more different, interesting things with himself and the Iron Man. Like when he goes to the, the fucking the hardware store and just mocks up a load of like gadgets out of over-the-counter shit. Yeah. It's brilliant. Um <laughs> So, uh, yeah. It's about the man, not the Iron Man. Yeah. Although there is nice subtle stuff again, like when he parks the suit up outside the diner and just steps out of it. Yeah. Out the back. And it stays there in the car, the parking lot next to the motorcycles. And, um, and no one can, like, just no one's touched it. They're just like, ooh. Taking photos of it. The, uh, <laughs> one of the best Iron Man sequences in any of the, of the Iron Man or Avengers movies <gasps> is the plane rescue. Yes! Yeah, oh. that's really, really great. It's astounding. And the way it ends... Oh, as well, as well, like just which again just highlights the movies. But I mean, a lot all these movies do it to a lesser or greater degree. But the way they balance tension and drama with humor, yeah, and also the fact that you suddenly—I mean—they pulled the rug out from under you. That entire sequence, him serving the president, Tony wasn't even there. No, he wasn't even there. The suit no. was being remote controlled. It's just like, oh, this is so superb. It's great. The idea that like, the bad guys catch the president by putting him in the Iron Patriot armor and sending it off. And we got we all got cock teased with a Hulk Buster by with the armor that was called Igor. Yeah, which is like a battering ram, ram armor because we we're all like, "Oh, the Hulk Buster!" Yeah, we we ain't seen nothing. Oh yet. no, no, no! I think it's to see the Hulk Buster. I think it's safe to say Age of Ultron is not in either of our top fives. It's not, sadly. Honorable mention to the Hulk Buster sequence uh, in Age of Ultron. Oh. Go to sleep. 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 Yeah, it's really good. 
I like. Oh, when, when the, those, that elevator opens and they're fighting in the corridor, the guy in the elevator just starts hitting the button. <laughs> I like Age of Ultron a lot, but it, it's, it's got problems. Yeah, it's got mainly problems. Mainly the, the cause in the editing room, I feel. Yes, uh, the, the the fact that that's the first movie where there clearly is a a, a bit of a tension behind the scenes, and it did affect the production to a degree. Um, but I'll tell you one that didn't get affected in terms of its production. What's that? This movie, this movie is the most confident film I think, in in terms of at least the MCU's relationship with its audience. Yeah. Now, there are balls-to-the-wall films. In fact, another one I'm going to mention after this is definitely one where they they were like, screw it, let's see if they like this. But this movie is the one where they trust the audience that, hey, we know there's been a lot of these, but we know you've been following along. We're going to pit everyone against everyone else. And you are going to feel for both sides. My number three is Captain America 3 Civil War. Because... Fuck me. Nothing is ever going to recapture the wonderful feeling of sitting there and seeing the Avengers in the cinema for yeah, the first time. Yeah. But the airport sequence of Civil War comes damn close. It's, it's definitely the best, as far as I'm concerned, action set piece in the MCU. I would go so far as to say it's probably the best action set piece of the last decade. Yeah, possibly. Like, I, I can't think in, of in terms of at least that... In terms of at least of balls to the wallness and variety. Yeah. Because... Captain America Civil War is not just Avengers 2.5. It's definitely a Captain America movie. But it also, at the same time, feels like a better Avengers 2 than Age of Ultron 1. Yeah. Cap's world is full of these people. Yeah. Tony and Natasha and and, and Rhodey and Sam. Like, these guys are part of his life. Vision! Wanda and Vision. Fucking Vision! Wanda and Vision. Like, these guys are... they're, They're a part of his life. They're a part of his world. Did you ever think you'd see a Vision in a film? No. And do you ever think you'd see the Vision done with such care in a movie? And in a jumper. In a jumper. (laughs) adorable. I'm trying to cook Russian cuisine. Um, Everyone is great. And like what Joss did with the Avengers before it, the Russos expertly give everyone their time in this movie. It doesn't feel like it's swapping and changing. It doesn't feel like it's going, and now it's your turn. And now it's your turn. It flows seamlessly. But it is without a doubt Steve's story. Oh, yeah. It's definitely Steve's story. It's Tony's story, too. This is sort of Iron Man 4 as well, uh, in a way that doesn't feel like he's invading the movie. And it's like Chris Evans is top billing for a reason, because it's his movie. It doesn't feel like an end to both of their respective arcs, but it does feel like there's a it, lot of the, closure the, in yeah, their arcs. closure to what's film. happened up to this point yeah, is there. Yeah. Like I said before, the narrative thread, their, their threads pass. Like, their storylines intersect and go off into the opposite directions yeah. over the course of their movies. The first movie for each being, for Tony, it's for Iron Man and Iron Man 2. Because obviously in Iron Man 2, he's still kind of the same character as Iron Man. He's not grown much yet. Yeah. Um, Cap is first Avenger. They both hit a chop and change. Um, Tony and Avengers in Iron Man 3. No, no, Tony. Tony's more in Iron Man 3 and Avengers Age of Ultron. Steve is Winter Soldier. They've come out the back different men. And this is the movie <laughs> that tells that tale. <laughs> They're being attacked by the cat, Christopher. Mm-hmm. Move against my feet. Um, this is the movie that tells that tale. You must want feeding. It not only does that, but it introduces a bunch of brand new characters. 
in a way where they feel completely organically involved in the story. Black Panther is not intrusive. Black Panther is a fantastic new element in this tale. Is he? He's absolutely incredible. Chadwick Boseman is the best performance in the movie, I think, aside from our regulars. He's the best new performance because you buy it. You buy T'Challa's pain. Oh, God, yeah. You want to see more from him. Well, they give you just enough with his father to to feel that loss. Yeah. When it the, happens. You buy it. Like, when he yeah, sends yeah. Natasha, it's like, I'm going to get my vengeance. Like, there you are. He gets the most dynamic and striking action in the movie. Yeah. He's ferocious. The dude chases after a vehicle on foot with his claws just like bounding down the road and Bucky who we know from the previous movie who can be dangerous Bucky can be like a force to be reckoned with I don't think he ever outright stated but I think it's implied that he's got some super soldier-esque stuff in him as yeah. well as his bio, bio, oh because well, he could keep up well with, he could keep up with Steve yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like you get that you, you feel that despite how disoriented he is like even if he was on top form you feel that Black Panther could tear him apart Paul Rudd is utilised like Mark Ruffalo in Avengers. Ant-Man oh, yes, is used yes. so well. Paul Rudd's great in this. He gives my favourite moment in the whole movie when he grows ginormous and grabs War Machine and the look on his face goes from oh my god it worked ha <laughs> oh my god I'm holding War Machine oh my god I'm not dead. <laughs> like It's just sort of this mix of emotions. They, they do so much with his eyes in that moment. Oh, and I don't even no. know if that is Paul Rudd or if that's CGI. Oh, it's Paul Rudd. Oh. I, I, I bet you they did. Like, I bet you they shot him and then they, they implemented because it's just magical. Like that airport sequence is phenomenal. The fight and everything. Like everyone's utilized. All your flyers are fighting. Like Spider Man is thrown Spider-Man. into the fray. We have to buy a new Spider Man real soon after losing our second version, and they sell it immediately. Yeah, you get it. You don't get a retelling of his origin. But again, like with Hulk, they trust you know it. Yeah. So when he talks about how, like, so why do you, Stark says, why, which that scene's amazing. That scene's incredible. When Stark says, like, why do you do this? He basically says, like, it, I couldn't do it before, so I didn't. But now I can. I should. Which is basically him going, I didn't do something good with this, and someone paid the price for it. He's basically saying with great power comes great responsibility without saying with great power yes. comes great responsibility. Because everyone knows... If you have the power to do great but, things, you have the obligation to do those things. <laughs> Martin Sheen, did a damn good job with it, but yeah. this film did a better version of skirting around it. Because you know in Homecoming, we'll get the phrase. Oh yeah, it's going we'll to it. be set. But they found a beautiful way to basically tell his origin story by trusting you already know it and hinting. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And Tom Holland just incredible casting like they de- they just found Spider-Man they found Spider-Man Sebastian Stan damn good job as Bucky you yeah. feel, considering in the last movie he was terrifying in this film you feel sorry for him and you want everything to be fine um, really nice when Hawkeye comes it's a proper punch the air moment it's like yes Clint's getting involved like by this point you've really grown to like him and you're like yes here he is um, Wanda is really sweet you feel really bad for Wanda um, now that they've completely distanced her from like obviously her brother's death has affected her but they've gone like right this is our character and this is her arc and this is where we're going with it yeah, yeah. there's no distractions anymore the Scarlet Witch is here and she's here to stay and she's great in the movie everyone's freaking brilliant um, <clears throat> Daniel Bruhl as Zemo I don't enjoy this twist on a character as much as I do the Mandarin in Iron Man 3 
But at the same time, they could... I get the sense they're going to follow it up. I get the sense yeah, this is well, the last we've seen This is him. probably the... F- they've not really done a great job of keeping their villains around, by and large. They've not killed them off as much as old comic book movies used to do. Uh, but the but they've ones, not really given an excuse for them to keep fighting. It's only really Loki and... Loki. Zemo that have survived. Yeah. Although I still think that Infinity War, there's going to be something to do with bringing back a bunch of threats from the past. Possibly. Considering a few of them die via the Infinity Stones. It yeah. Would, it would be foolish yeah, to not yeah. take advantage of that and bring back Red Skull or like um, Malekith. Or, do you know what I mean? Just as like stages. Oh, of please bring back Malekith with. and do something interesting with him. Give Chris Eccleston please. words to say. Uh, although they'd have to bring back a different actor to play the Red Skull. But hey, he's covered in prosthetics. That's fine. I don't know. He or even might do it again. Oh, he said he would never do do it again. Like, he doesn't want to do those genre movies ever more, anymore. More like boogo weaving, am I right? Add a zero to the paycheck. Okay. <laughs> or just cast someone else who wants to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so do that by Jingo. Who doesn't want to do it? Captain America Civil War is pure blockbuster entertainment with enough heart People may go, oh, it's by the numbers, they play it safe, but you point me in the direction of another movie where there is a giant all-out brawl that actually means something, and I'll I'll, I'll give you the nod. Oh, come on. Eat me up. You, you could be Team Iron Man or Team Cap, but ultimately, you don't want either side. You want a side to win, you don't want either side to be defeated. You're Team Cap. Because you care about, oh, Team Cap. But you, <laughs> care, but you care about everybody. You understand exactly why Tony's doing what yeah, he's doing. Yeah. And you understand why Steve's doing what he's doing. And it is doing. a real, it is an actual, it doesn't... Better job of illustrating moral quandary than the comic Civil War does, I feel. Yeah. Um, so there's that. What's your number three, baby? Well. <laughs> Are you reassessing? No, no, no. Oh. I'm, not re- I'm not reassessing because I feel there's going to be a lot of overlap in these lists. That's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. Because I know. Could I say possibly that... I know if, that if this I movie... Make, is... If I were to make a sound... Would that sound help I, illustrate your point? I know this movie is coming up in... in, in, in yeah. I know it's coming up. I'm hooked on feeling. I'm high on believing. That you're in love with me. So Iron Man 2 then? Iron Man 2. Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the motherfucking Came out of fucking nowhere. (laughs) Get even less, even less believable than the idea that we would have an Avengers movie was the idea that we'd have a Guardians of the fucking Galaxy movie (laughs) with, what, five of the... Most obscure Marvel characters. Because they're all fucking cosmic characters. They're not even Earth-based characters, really. I mean... You've got Star-Lord, who's a human, lost in space. Gamora, the deadliest woman in the universe. Yeah. Drax the Destroyer. His name is Drax the Destroyer. You don't get more space-age distant and cosmic Um, than that. Rocket Raccoon, who is an anthropomorphic raccoon who likes guns and violence and a tree called Groot who can only say his own name. 
And yet. And yet. And yet. Just one of the most charming, electrifyingly enjoyable, witty, fun, colourful, exciting movies um, that I've seen ever. Like, wonderful use of uh, music to illustrate... uh, See, it's worth mentioning Suicide Squad because... Once again, is it ever? <laughs> well, once again, movie companies learn all the wrong lessons yes. from uh, a movie success. Yeah. In this case, Guardians, the use of pop music, both in the marketing and in the film itself. Um, now, <sighs> Guardians uses its pop music yeah. as part of its tapestry. It uses it. It it reminds us where Quill's from. It uses specific songs mm-hmm. that have a presence in universe as the mixtape he got from his mum. Mm-hmm. So it, it uses it's them. It's our anchor, it's our rope connecting yeah. back to where he's from, but also it shows how far away he is from home because these so- these are songs that he's listening to religiously and they're all specifically from like the early 80s. And it uses... It's not advanced further. It uses the songs very carefully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to illustrate mood. Yes. And feel and tone for the scenes and transitions. It doesn't, like Suicide Squad does, just put in a pop song with lyrics to tell you kind of what's going on on screen <laughs> in a really haphazard, slapdash fashion. Yeah. It's. Guess who's back? Yep, we get it. Deadshot's got a gun. Like, James Gunn. <laughs> I mean, if you haven't seen any of James Gunn's other films, go and watch Super. Super, super, right now. Brace yourself. It's, it's rough. It's a rough movie. But yeah. But um, it's <laughs> apart from Nathan Fillion, he's hilarious. Oh, he's great in it. Um, <clears throat> I haven't seen Slither, but Slither I hear it's fabulous. It's B movie porn. Yeah. It's so good. But um, not porn that's like a B movie. I mean, like it's a B movie. It hits all the po- all the beats, and it's freaking hilarious. And James, and it's Michael Rooker as well. Yes. So yeah. go watch it. He's also in Super. He's also in Super. Um. <laughs> But James, uh, so James Gunn is a director with a certain style and a certain uh, outlook, and he gets to exercise all of that in mm. Guardians. Uh, in a way that pretty much all the directors in the MCU have, to a certain lesser degree. I mean, I know Edgar Wright left Ant Man because he felt that he wasn't willing to compromise on some of the things that Marvel asked him to do. But I think his directing style would have been allowed to shine through in that movie because Peyton Reed certainly was. Yeah. Um, and Peyton Reed James didn't feel Gunn like was. a stand-in replacement. It no, was no, it, it felt like him. And, and then, similarly with James Gunn for this movie. And even Joss Whedon, certainly for The Avengers, less so for Age of Ultron. That mm-hmm. movie got a bit weighed down. Uh, Shane Black, definitely in Iron Man 3. Yeah. His style got to shine through in there. <laughs> um, Branner in Thor. Yeah, oh, God, um, yeah. But it... They needed that anchor for that movie. They needed someone like that to steer it. It works so well. Like, James Gunn's enthusiasm and sort of, um... <laughs> just... Nuts mm. outlook infects that movie. And then you get a leading man as fucking... Just... Re- just insanely magnetic as Chris <laughs> Pratt is. <laughs> Just the the man is a charisma machine, <laughs> and he you're done. 
And then you surround him with like Zoe Saldana doing a great, you know, great badass woman. Dave Batista doing comic relief, stone-faced, deadpan um, bruiser. Like this, this is a wrestler, this is a pro wrestler. And yet he's brilliant in this because everything is just like stone-faced, um, deadpan expressions. He doesn't understand metaphor. Um, uh, the group... Goes over his head. Nothing goes over my head. My reflex is too fast. <laughs> I, I would catch, catch it. it. <laughs> um... <laughs> I like your knife. I'm keeping it. <laughs> it's my favorite knife. <laughs> um, it's yeah. It's but, again. But, but let's let's stress this. Like these characters are, like you say, odd. Like they are archetypes in a way, but they're all played to perfection by the cast. But they're also oddballs and fuck ups and losers and, and... losers and fuck ups specifically because you get to feel. For every single one. Oh, yeah. You understand Gamora's rage. You completely get Star-Lord's, like, distance. His his his, his, his placelessness within the universe. Yeah, he's an alien. He he's an alien belong. in these places, yeah. He doesn't belong. He's not, rela- he's not relatable because he's our human anchor. Like, he's the oddball. He's E.T. Yeah. He's E.T. in this story. Like, obviously, we look at him and we go, he's human. Like, oh, we shall relate. But you get... you You... Get Drax's story. You understand loss. You understand how angry you can be when something or someone is taken away from you. Like, that's Drax. Yeah. Something horrible's happened and tore his family apart. And he wants revenge. Of course he does. Like, everyone feels that. You feel for him. Like, when in the bar, when they have the fight, when they're all drunk and stuff, like, you feel so sorry for him. Rocket Raccoon. I didn't think I was going to well up over a freaking talking raccoon with a gun. But you get the idea that he he doesn't get his place. He doesn't know who he is or what he is. He feels like he's a mistake. That's heartbreaking. And you get it. And then Groot doesn't have to say a damn thing. But that childlike innocence is just so likeable. You're drawn to him. He's the baby of the group. Even before he becomes a baby. <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's so, so well played. Yeah. And all he has to do, all he has to do is change one word and it breaks your goddamn heart. Well, two words. Oh, yeah. Damn it. Damn yeah. you. Damn you kids and your maths. But that's all it takes, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, by the time he says it, it's just, oh, God. And that's that's not to say anything about, give away, my number two is Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. We're already talking about it. Let's keep going. Yeah. Like, to, to, just, I mean... Because that's the thing as well. When people say that, oh, Glenn Close is playing ahead of the Nova, he's playing Nova Prime ahead of the Nova Core. You're like, what? And here's the thing: every actor kind of wants to get in on these movies. Oh yeah, yeah. Glenn Close, this was probably a paycheck. I don't care. She brings that level of authority with her. Didn't look like a with her presence yeah. and that level of mischief. Because there's a couple of lines of the reason you can tell she's having a blast. She brings that with her that. You don't need to know much about Nova Prime. You just know that she is in charge. She knows her shit and she is completely across it. Hey, they got my dick message. Then <laughs> 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 giving her giving her John C. Riley and Peter Serafinowicz to bounce off of. Yeah. And again, these guys who are very decision. funny but can play that authority. Like John C. Riley's obviously a little more laid back with it. Peter Serafinowicz is sort of got a stick up his ass and it's just so, like, just like oh, the characters these guys can play. Well, Peter Serafinowicz is basically bringing Pete from Shaun of the Dead and putting him in a uniform. Yeah, and it works really well. John C. Riley is—I mean, he's John C. Riley. Like, he me- he means everything he's saying, 
but he's a complete goof off at the same time. Can play that really well. He can have the weight of the dramatic performances and just be a nice guy. And that's who he's playing in this. Like, he brings that so well. And then the villains. Lee Pace is dealt a hand that not many actors would be fussed about. The, the Marvel movie villain is, let's say it, to this point, that is the, the flaw, the recurring flaw of these films, is the villains sometimes aren't utilised in a way that... are utilised in a way that leaves little to be desired. You wish that some of them were given meatier parts. Yeah. But as these movies seem to focus... Like, they avoid the mistakes of past superhero movies, which used to be, look at the villain. This is the novelty of the film. This is why you're here. That works for some movies... Others find it hard to balance it. The Marvel movies are very much the stories of the heroes. Yeah. It seems that once we get to know the heroes, that's when they get a bit more experimental with the villains. I'm this was very the first... interested to see what they do in, in Volume 2. Oh, God, yeah. But, like, this is the first Guardians movie. Ronan still needs to feel like a threat. He does. Lee Pace does some great things with what could be a very vanilla role. He's intimidating. Gamora is creepy and weirdly kind of sexy. No, not Gamora, sorry, Nebula. Uh, yeah. Like, Nebula yeah. is creepy and really kind of sexy. Well, it's Karen so, Gillen, so what do you expect? Well, there you go. <laughs> oh, I, keep forgetting, I keep forgetting the other character's name, but, oh, God. Which one? The other is Henchman. The, the, uh... Oh, he played by um, Jimon Honsu. Yeah, I keep forgetting I the character's name. Because, he, again, he's sort of, he's a regular cosmic kind of Marvel yeah, villain. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it begins with N, but I might be wrong. Um... <laughs> But he, we uh, we don't know. Something like, I don't know, like the, I can't remember. It's some, he's some dude. I feel bad for forgetting him. But like, but like, again, that's them adapting a villain that they wouldn't do and giving them a role where you're like, you're scary. You're really, really freaky. It's just like, he's, oh God, he's so good. And his action, like you feel the threat. You get it from this guy. You get the threat of the, of the, 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 the power gem. Like these guys are fucked if this goes wrong. And you believe their friendship. You believe it's forced. Michael Rooker is great as Yondu. Again, a revision of a character from the comics. Completely different version. Oh, yeah. But fits this world that, we, that we're in. This movie is bold. James Wan doesn't go... James Wan. James Gunn. Different. I'm freaking... What? Oh, Too I'm, many Jameses. I've not had enough coffee. We're so tired. James, it's a long day. James Gunn doesn't go into this movie going we should we should put a talking raccoon in a tree in the movie because it'll fuck people up he goes into it going talking talking raccoon in a tree why not yeah we can tell that story it's that optimism and that confidence that shines the tagline of the movie is you're welcome like that sums it up that sums up the swagger of this film from the get go it's like when you were talking about it, about Civil War being such a confident movie before you said it, you were going to talk about Civil War I thought you were talking about Guardians because it is supremely confident in what it is and it just lays it all out and just Guardians like, goes go, go, six go years ago half of you fuckers didn't know who Iron Man was sit back yeah enjoy now you're gonna know Rocket Raccoon's gonna be a household <clears throat> name yeah which is such a weird thought but not only that Benicio Del Toro is the collector yeah he's new great threads. we see the uh, the freaking the, the Jack Kirby characters at the start of the universe yep kind of doodads like we get to see that world and we see how fleshed out the Marvel universe is not, yeah. the, not the continuity yeah. of the films Thanos is sort of treated flippantly some people get annoyed by that they're like he's just there for a scene they're basically saying oh this dude's not like waiting for Earth to do something he's got his other shit he does other things Ronan is his bitch the guy who's about to lay waste to um, Xandar is Thanos's bitch yeah like, they make a big point of, of of making it so that, yeah, Thanos is out there. We just haven't met him yet. 
Oh, there's a bit of Thanos for you. There's a little bit. Cheeky bit of Thanos. Um, It's great. And the film's confidence. It's Easter egg laden. The collector's trophy room. Like, you've got Adam Warlock's pod. Yeah. Which is hatched in the background in the post-credits scene. You've got uh, a Dark Elf. You've got a Chitauri. You've got a bunch of the slugs from Slither in a case. (laughs) Like, it's the, the, the balls on them for doing it. And then the, oh god, the most gumption-filled post-credits Marvel movie scene ever. By going, yeah, how are the duck? You've how bought duck? it by now. We don't care. You're in. Welcome. We've got you. And they'll never We've use him again. We've got you by the stuff. They'll never use him again. The, the and it cl- doesn't matter. But the close because people are like, does that mean how the duck's in a movie? No. The closest we'll ever get is he'll probably pop up like either in Guardians somewhere. Oh, Cosmo! Or or be, Cosmo's in Cosmo, it as well. Not talking yet, but we'll no. get there. But like, or or there'll be like a bar scene somewhere in nowhere yeah. in Infinity War when they're tying the Guardians in, and you'll see how the ducks out at the bar or something. That'll be it. That's this is just there. Is, to be fair. Yeah, but this is just them going. Look, we know you trust us now. Here we go. Also, how the duck exists in this universe. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Voiced by Seth Green. Why not? Um, what's your number two, good sir? Captain America Civil War. Yeah! Let's wax lyrical. Um, um, it's great! Spider-Man uses the ATST uh, Hoth, AT-AT hey, guys, Hoth technique. Does anybody remember that really old movie, The Empire Strikes Back? <laughs> Where did you find this kid? I, I didn't carbon date him. <laughs> so good. Like, oh my um, god. Widow and Hawkeye fighting and then like, we're still friends, right? Depends on how hard you hit me. You know that they're only fighting because they have to. Yeah. But they're not. 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 Neither of them are planning to take the other one out. Like whereas Black Panther is all in. You're defending the Winter Soldier. Yeah. I'll kill you. I will kill you to get to him. It's freaking great. Like Wanda lifting up all the cars, like pulling them out of the building to smack Tony in mid-flight. That first action sequence with the crossbones and his mercenaries. When Vision goes to take out Sam's wings. And hits War Machine in the chest. Oh, Rhodey. Oh, Rhodey in the exoskeleton. That's heart. Again, that's, that's I keep using that word, but that's heartbreaking. Because you're like, oh god, like, it's his best friend. When Tony finds out Bucky's involvement in his past. Jesus Christ. They do a really, really great job of, um, now that they've got all these characters set up and established, playing... Putting them all together and playing with them. And this is the soap opera of this world. Yeah, exactly. Because we've earned it now. It's, it's the... And with seeds that are sown beautifully. We know that Tony's mother and father died when he was younger. We've seen that actor play the older version of his dad. So yeah. we get to see the connection between those two versions of the character. Yeah. Sure, we learn a bit more about how it start with the Dominic Cooper incarnation in Captain America film. And, and in, and uh, in uh, Agent, Agent Carter. Carter. Um, and we know that younger Howard was, much, was very much like his son. As he got older, different things take priority. We learn that Howard Stark about Howard Stark's involvement in Shield, again that version through Ant Man. Yeah, like so we we know that he's closely involved at this point. And in Winter Soldier, we see the little flash of newspaper very briefly during the Armin Zola scene to show that the Stark's death was part of Hydra's plans. Yeah, so they suggest that Bucky was involved when the Civil War opens with that scene. You just know that that's going to come to play by the third act of this movie, that Tony's going to find out. So well stacked, so well played. 
just oh man, it's a great movie. It it's is so just, good. Yeah, like the be- like the best of these Marvel movies. It's tight, witty, sharp, great characters, reliable action. Yeah, you have a metal arm. Yeah, you have a metal. That is so cool. <laughs> just pull- <laughs> what's it? Just freaking Paul Rudd. Who's <laughs> like, um, whatever it is, where he's like, uh, ready to fight, Captain America, sir. <laughs> it's just like really overdoing it. Thanks for thanking of me. Thanks for thanking of me. Oh, I know you too. You're awesome. Like, oh, God. Uh, Envision, the Wanda's sending Vision through the floor. The fight scene with crossbones at the beginning. Yeah. Continuing this new tradition of, yeah, they deal with the shit all the time. All let's the time. confirm it. Yeah. We I think we've had more Captain America arch villains in movies now than any other superhero. Probably. Maybe Batman. Might be on par with Batman. Well yeah, we've had Crossbones. We've had, we've had Armin, Armin Zola. Armin Zola. Batrox Elite. Um, Batrox Elite. Red Skull. Crossbones. Zemo. Von Strucker. Oh yes. In Age of Ultron. Uh, in terms of specific Captain America villains I think that's it for the cat villains. Well, Von Strucker's more of a Nick Fury villain than a cat villain. Oh, but like I tie him in with Cap 2 yeah, because yeah. of his Avengers. Well, Shield and the... Yeah, yeah. So, but that's like six Cap villains right. in, th- in four movies. Pretty good. Holy shit, man. Pretty good. Holy shit. It's like, never surrender. I'm going to surrender. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I can't wait to see where they go. I can't wait to see if they keep, keep focusing on Cap stories. Yeah. Because so far... I think he's a good backbone for that universe. So the far, they're way damn way. strong. Like, from, from first Avenger, from that moment with, with old Tucci... Saying to the him, Tooch. the Tooch saying, You want to kill Nazis? It's Tooch, isn't it? Playing yeah, it's Dr. Erskine. Erskine. And he says, that, that's, that's to me my favorite moment in all the Marvel movies when he says, You want to kill Nazis? And he says, Don't want to kill anyone, I just don't like bullies. That was when I went, These guys get it. Yeah. They completely get it. The other side are afraid to be true to Superman. Previous movies have tried to. Previous Marvel movies have tried to dark and gritty everyone up. This film gets it. Cap is, like you said, the backbone. His movies work so well, and it's because they place a lot of trust in Chris Evans. They place a lot of trust in their scripts. They, they tr- place they trust a lot the of trust in the in the people that are involved with these movies. They just yes, the Marvel machine does have to get its hands into these movies to make sure they all fit together, but. Um... At the same, I'm gonna to have to speed the kind of minute because he's making yelps and screams. Well, that's right. We're not um, far off the end here. <clears throat> yeah, even though <laughs> even though Marvel have to get their hands in deep to the making of the movies and interfere, for so much of it, they do seem content to just let the people involved making the movies do what they want, unless it's gonna fuck up something they want to do later down the line. Yeah, which is where some of the tension came from with Edgar Wright, I believe, mm, and Whedon. also with Joss Whedon and Age of Ultron. Um, the, bet, the better of these movies are clearly the ones where they've just gone, alright, this is what we need you to do. Don't do this because we're going to do this later and it'll fuck it up. Mm. So make sure this, make sure point A gets to point B, but other than that, we've got you, hired you for a reason, go off and do your thing. Which is why the balls like on them for hiring the Russos. Yeah. Two guys who at that point were basically famous for comedy. I said, go and make these. Go and make, go make these make films. This, go make this ridiculous action espionage thriller. That's why Captain America: The Winter Soldier is my number one. Yeah. Good. Yeah. 
God, I it's love that. It's very movie. good. Like we said before, all the presidents men with punching. Yeah. Like the betrayal of it all is horrible. Like Steve goes through the ringer in that movie to find out everything he's fought for has been a lie, but not just that. He finally has a connection to the past. His friend, his best friend who he thought dead, is still alive. But completely brainwashed and is a sleeper agent for the enemy. Like, for the enemy. There's extra stakes to getting him out of it. There's extra stakes to save his life and not just take him out. Not only that, Bucky feels like a very real threat. Yeah, yeah. Whenever the Winter Soldier Absolutely. rocks up in... It's cheapened a bit in Civil War because he's meant to be more sympathetic. But whenever the Winter Soldier rocks up in the Winter Soldier... People are going to die. Yeah. He's unstoppable. The people with him are great. Brock Rumlow, when that twist happens, you feel betrayed. Yeah. Even a comic nerd who like knows who Brock Rumlow is going to be, you feel betrayed. Because he's so freaking cool in like, the opening sort of 20 minutes. It's like, so you jump without a parachute? He does that. You're like, yeah. The opening <laughs> set piece on the <clears throat> boat. Even with that weird little flaw where the stuntman who's running clearly is a second ahead. <laughs> even with that, that aerial shot of him going around the side of the boat, taking everyone out silently in his stealth suit, which is basically their version of the white star suit, is so cool. It's really cool. It's so cool. When everyone arrives, they, they do backtrack the Leaper and they make him no, work. No, sorry. Backtrack is the Leaper. Yeah. A character who you say that name, you go, what? Yeah, he's a French man whose, whose power is he's basically got really strong legs. He's an acrobat. He's an acrobat. You're like, what? Yeah, in this, he's the head of a freaking piracy like terrorist team that take that ship. Why do they call him Batrock the Leaper? Because he's the hardest nails kickboxer who can take on Captain America. Because his name's Batrock and he leaps. Yeah. Jesus, are you but, a fucking idiot? But they sell it. <laughs> but they sell it. They don't, they don't make it ridiculous because there he is kickboxing the shit out of Cap. And you buy it. And then you buy his arrogance because he's kept up with him. That Cap's like, right, I'm dropping the shield. Let's go fist to fist then. Yeah, Come let's on. do this. And Patrick's like, okay, I can take you. And you know that that's obviously going to be his downfall because Cap's going to beat him. Yeah. It's so good. Natasha and Steve's relationship, like the fact that it's a, they sort of, they tease what everyone would expect to happen. Like these two are going to become romantically entangled and then go, no, neither of them are interested like that. It could totally happen. But that's not the story we're telling. And These like, guys are friends, and they're friends. Like I said earlier, it's this the movie that does the best job of establishing Natasha's character. Yes. Which is criminal, considering it's the third movie she's in. Yeah, but she's but, not the girlfriend. She's yeah. not the eye candy. She's every bit as capable as the others. She's an in, Avenger. She's one of the six. In many ways, more capable and more savvy than Steve is. But also, we still don't know everything about her. Because yeah. in this movie, we discover she's hiding stuff too. This is the film where we realise trusting Fury may not be the right thing. We had our suspicions in Avengers when you find out they're using they're studying Hydra tech. But now we know that wasn't necessarily him. That was Hydra getting their own technology back. And we'll keep it brief because we are going to have to go soon, but the elevator sequence. Yeah. Oh, good God. That is how you do tight, directed action in a confined space. And then that and just... make every moment phenomenal. That last moment where he just stamps on the shield and locks up into his hand and you just go oh god yes they just get it Winter Soldier's my favourite man hit me with your number one hit me with your best shot fire away well (laughs) it's like you say there's nothing that can ever replace that feeling of sitting down in the cinema to watch this for the first time (laughs) and just being blown away
the Avengers. Yeah, boy. It happened. <laughs> it happened. It happened all over me. <laughs> in your mouth and your eyes. Good God, I love it. It's just because it's such a... I think it's the tightest in terms of... There's no, there's no fat on this movie. No. Not a, not an ounce of it. No. It's, it's long, but it's lean. Mm. And it gets, it gets, it gets you to where it needs you to go next with the, with the fastest experience there. Gets all the characters right. The dialogue's so sharp you can cut yourself on it. It's ridiculous. It, it strikes the best balance <clears throat> of any of the movies between action and humour. It's just full of wonderful moments. Um, Great lines of dialogue delivered by great actors. All the stuff with Fury and Loki in the cell. Uh, um, uh, Loki's archness uh, the, being... It's a family blockbuster. Burdened with, with great... Glorious purpose. Oh, it's oh, so God. good. And then just... The, the, I mean, they get the line, you mewling Quinn. Yeah, they get away with that. <laughs> um, so into a kid's film, essentially. Like, they get it in there. And meet Boot. Oh, uh, my God. It's just Coulson, the entirety of Coulson in just the movie. Col- yeah, just Coulson being brilliant. Um, it... <laughs> Hulk and Thor taking a breather in the train station, and then Hulk just punches Thor out yeah. of shot. Puny God, the puny God moment. It's the it's again the only thing that Hulk said since Incredible Hulk. <clears throat> yeah, well, I was gonna say in Incredible Hulk, we finally got Hulk smash in a film, voiced by Lou Ferrigno. And Lou Ferrigno is still the roars and grunts of the Hulk in Avengers, but they give Ruffalo puny god. Um, puny god. The Hulk's design in the movie. Yeah. Like, Hulk in Incredible Hulk looks cool, but he looks sort of more believable well, in also, Avengers because he looks like a big ape. He I looks like man plus. Edward Norton don't think did any motion capture for Incredible Hulk. Whereas that's why, I think that's why Hulk in Avengers and Age of Ultron works so well. Because it's a complete performance. Yeah, because I know it, Tim it Roth is, did some yeah. motion capture for Abomination. Yeah. I think Edward Norton did some mocap in Incredible Hulk. But you can see the full relationship, the full performance of Ruffalo in this movie. You can see that it's the same man. Yeah. You feel it. Also, I think that's all down to the fact that they've... Yeah, yeah it's, it's in Ruffalo's this Hulk face. design than there was of Norton in the Incredible Hulk design. Yeah. Um, and it's, it just helps to round that out. And he's he's a little less green, yeah. Like he's, well, he's, he's, he's sort of a bit more luminous, but, yeah. But it's it's like sort of chalked out, yeah. It's it's like it's it's if a person's skin tone were green, this is the green it would probably be. Um, oh god, Nick yeah. Fury though finally getting a starring role. Uh, Maria Hill, Kobe Smulders yeah. joining the MCU. Um, that man's playing Gallagher, <laughs> though he wouldn't notice. But we did. <laughs> and then fucking get that scene. <laughs> and he just goes back to playing it. Um, it's... Yeah, Avengers... He may, just... may be a villain, but he's still my brother. He, killed, he murdered 17 people. He's adopted. He's adopted. <laughs> um, Thor's integration into that dynamic is yeah. brilliant. Watching Steve adjusting to the world is sweet and great. Just oh man, Stalin Skarsgård. It just does it all so <laughs> efficiently. Yeah, like there's no and bloat pe- to people it. complain again, sort of like oh the blue beam in the sky ending with a bunch of CGI grey bad guys. Here's the thing, that was the first one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like it's that, that was the first one. 
It gets a pass. It's good God, it gets a pass. It is inspired imitators, <clears throat> shall yes. we say? Uh, the Chitauri are the villain it needs, like non-specific. The uh, the other, I believe, he's called, uh, played by um, Alexis Dezinov. Alexis Dezinov, Joss Whedon uh, alumni, uh, is a great part. Yeah, like uh, just his final line. I mean, the fact that he's casually murdered by Ronan in Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy, but his final line to challenge Earth is to court death. Thanos turns around yeah. and smiles, and everyone watching the movies going, oh, "Who's that guy?" And anyone who's ever read a comic watching the movies going, "Oh, oh shit, son!" Shit's just, going down. Not just because of who it is, but that line is so carefully written yeah. as well. Like, oh, it's beautiful. Because I wonder how literally they're going to follow on with his obsession with death. Uh, I wouldn't have thought too literally. In a world cause... of Doctor Strange now, though, I could see them. Visually representing it somehow. Possibly. Um, and also, at this point, it wasn't. I think they'd mentioned the Infinity Stones. We, 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 knew, of, we knew of the. They had, I don't think there were stones yet, but, but we, we know that we knew the Tesseract. But we knew the Tesseract was a cosmic. Is a cosmic cube. Yes, basically. we know that because I think that was the only one up to that point, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't. Loki one, stabs but, the second one. Yeah, but it was the only. But we they didn't know, We didn't know that till. Yeah. Um, Avengers 2. And then they were like, oh, actually, no, actually, all these things are Infinity Stones, so now yeah. we've got all of them except the Soul Gem, I think, um, yes. have been revealed. Yeah, because uh, the, um, it's the, the space the space gem is the Tesseract. Yeah, Tesseract is space. Space. Uh, um, I, Vagamato's time. His time. Um, the Scepter is mind. Scepter is mind. Well, is... Well, well, vision is, yeah, yeah. is mind. The, the... the orb is power. Uh, yeah, and the um, there's reality, reality. Yeah, so the soul is the one that we've not got yet. Yeah. I reckon that's either going to rock up in either Ragnarok or Black Panther. Yeah, well, it's not going to rock up in Guardians Volume Two or Spidey. That much. Or Spidey. <laughs> well, they've confirmed Rag. They've confirmed it won't Guardians Volume Two, and it won't in Spidey unless they're really dumb. I think it's going to rock. Up. <laughs> well, Adrian Toomes, I'm a collector of things. Look what I bought well, on eBay. <laughs> unless they set, unless they set up the start of Infinity War as the search for that last gem. That makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense for Infinity War to end with, oh shit, Thanos has them all. And he's killed the Avengers. Oh my god. Now we've got to get the next set of Avengers, led by Captain Marvel, to take him on. Yeah, Captain Marvel and the Guardians of the Galaxy teaming up with Black Panther and Doctor Strange or something oh, like that. Oh, sweet. This shit oh god, of there's horrible stuff in like New York, Avengers Tower, like, the, 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 that, some, Thanos has sent a horde to try and deal with that. Don't worry, we've got people on the ground. Cut to the defenders and Spider-Man beating the shit out of some bad guys. Yeah, oh, I love that. boy. Oh, right. I think we're gonna have to end it there. Should we, should we slip in a question, a sexy question? I think we'll save the questions for our next episode. That is a good shout. Uh, we'll got... do a we'll do a bumper question and answer next yeah. week, guys. So apologies if we've not gotten to your questions, but we will. Do not worry. That doesn't mean stop sending them in. If we're gonna bumper a question and answer next week, we're gonna need yeah. them. Bigdamncontact at gmail.com. and of course you can tweet us anytime at bigdamcast. Also, why not hit us up on Tumblr? Bigdamblog.tumblr.com That's the one. Indeed you do. Linked here on YouTube or on iTunes or on SoundCloud, wherever you're listening to us. You can see the links. They'll be in the description of some description. Hey! I've, I've been not Matt. I've been not Chris. And you have been far too quiet for our liking. <laughs> what are you hiding? Hmm? What are you doing there? What are you thinking? Behind that newspaper. You barely touched your Chardonnay. Chardonnay? That doesn't make any sense. Chardonnay? Chardonnay! 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 Chardonnay!
Shanna, Shanna, oh, Shanna, oh.